Welcome to Reach, your platform to connect with other executive assistants and acquire game-changing knowledge and perspective. Reach is designed to inspire your workday, guide you through pivotal moments in your career, and transform you into the executive assistant you've always wanted to be. In today's episode of Reach, you're going to be hearing from a dear friend and also an incredible executive assistant and personal assistant professional by the name of On Castro. On is a remarkable human. Um, one of my favorite things in meeting On when I first met her, and hopefully you will also hear, is just how incredibly relatable and warm and personable she is and how incredibly real she is. Um, I met her and within 15 minutes was convinced that we would be lifelong friends. And in fact, she sent a follow-up Trace Leches cake to the office to uh, commemorate our meeting as well. She's just that kind of person who really connects on a very deep and uh, meaningful and heartfelt way. But um, the nature and character of this episode is much more autobiographical in nature. And we wanted to give on an opportunity to share her story because her story is really something very unique and very beautiful and um, really demonstrates the kind of triumph um, that she's had and achieved in overcoming a pretty checkered and uh, unconventional childhood, um, growing up largely as kind of a latchkey kid in the streets of L.A., the daughter um, of an uh, immigrant mom who had moved here from Vietnam on her own and was determined to make it. And I think that a lot of that perseverance um, that you see in On and her incredible willpower and drive comes from um, this experience. And, you know, to have started off her life in that way and then gone on to support the likes of Kamala Harris and Dianne Feinstein and some of the most accomplished and successful executives from the financial services world, um, On has accomplished a heck of a lot in her career, starting from very humble, um, starting from a very humble place. And uh, I mean, at one point she was um, filing nails and giving manicures in her mom's uh, nail shop on Sunset Boulevard, you know, after school until two, three in the morning, um, working mostly with uh, the colorful nightlife of the streets of Los Angeles and uh, the people that, that populate the, the strip at that time. So in any case, I'm really excited for you to hear from On and um, uh, her story. Damn on. <laughs> when I look at your background, the people you've worked for, right? I mean, it's, it's, it's so amazing. It's so impressive. On supported Diane Feinstein for 15 years, the longest standing female senator in history. Uh, from there, she went and supported Kamala Harris, who, as uh, everybody probably knows, is currently a presidential candidate, candidate um, on the Democratic ticket. You have earned some serious bragging rights and yet remain one of the humblest, kindest, most generous and sincere people I have the pleasure to know. Um, you have navigated several major shifts in your career from the political realm, as we just talked about, to working in venture capital. You've worked for uh, high net worth individuals, you've done personal support, you've done business support. So we're really interested today in tapping into 
what your internal dialogue has been and, and how you've made the, the changes or the choice to make these changes at the times that you've made them and sharing some of that insight. So to start us off, um, maybe you can kind of uh, give us a, a little bit of context as to um, how you got started in, in this space and, you know, probably going back to your earliest days with, um, with Diane Feinstein, but sure. kind of what led you to this career initially? You know, I think it was just sort of happenstance, to be honest with you. I was graduating from Cal uh, back in the, you know, when we were using stone tablets many years ago. <laughs> and, um, and I didn't know really what I wanted to do. And I thought I was going to go to law school. So I went to the Resource Center and um, saw this posting for the Ninth Circuit Court. And um, so I applied, and then there was this other, you know, listing, too, for Senator Alan Cranston. So that was many moons ago, as you know. Um, and so I just, I was really excited about the Ninth Circuit Court, and so I sent in my resume and thought, oh, you know, I'll do this other thing, whatever, just to pass the, pass time, the time until the Ninth Circuit Court hires me and I become this great lawyer later on and all of these things. So then, of course, the Ninth Circuit Court never reach, <laughs> reached out to me. Um, they just haven't caught up to your application yet, On It's only been 25 years. Yeah, that's, you know. what, it, yeah, that's what it was. That's, that's what it was. They're working through the, the bureaucracy. <laughs> it takes a minute. Be patient. Right. Um, like, yeah, this psychology major with an <laughs> emphasis in wor peace and conflict studies. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's what we want in our courthouse, right? Um, <laughs> But Alan Cranston's office did reach out to me, and so I, um, I, I actually started uh, as a receptionist there, just for a very short stint, and um, and then that's when Senator Feinstein and Senator Boxer came into the scene, and it was amazing, and these women dynamic, and I was super excited, but didn't know how I was going to fit into the whole picture. So the state director for Senator Cranston, um, I guess I must have impressed her, um, but she reached out to the uh, state director for Senator Feinstein. Mm. And it was between me and this other uh, person, we were both interning. And this was when, I mean, she just started, didn't know where she was going to be. Things were in boxes. We were pretty much <clears throat> excuse me, grabbing in the middle of the night, you know, boxes from Senator Cranston of like constituent services stuff, moving things, living out of boxes. And um, so I went over to Senator Feinstein's office and I, we were both there as volunteers mm. first. And so, um, you know, it was from seven in the morning to whatever time, unpacking boxes, organizing files, all of those things, and just what duties as assigned. And um, short of scraping gum off of, like, people's shoes, mm -hmm. like, we did everything. And <laughs> I was happy. I was super stoked to be there because um, it was an opportunity, and it was just so amazing to be a part of this history, mm -hmm. you know, I mean, this woman is yep. dynamic. And so um, so I was happy to do it. And uh, then 
it came down to hiring for a receptionist. And um, my colleague who was also volunteering found it very disheartening to unpack boxes especially Mm. just graduating from Georgetown Mm. and I was like um what shoe am I gonna clean today Mm -hmm. and um how many (laughs) rolls of toilet paper would you like me to stack in the closet and so I guess that um somehow impressed the state director so she said um I would like for you to join. So then I, I signed up and I became her uh, receptionist. And then I moved on to being a constituent service representative and then became her constituent service supervisor. And um, and then, you know, you hear when you're in government, you mm-hmm. hear all these different things like, oh, you know, you really should try the private sector. There's more money. Mm-hmm. and And plus I was... I think I was like 10 year in, like deep mm-hmm. and thought, you know, I should really diversify my resume. And mm-hmm. that's the whole thing about change. Mm-hmm. Like you start thinking to yourself, I'm so comfortable. Mm-hmm. I'm becoming complacent. Mm-hmm. You know, I could do this stuff in my sleep. Mm-hmm. Like maybe this is a time to make a change. And it also helped that Senator Feinstein was hosting uh, some sort of woman luncheon and uh, I don't know if you all remember, but Congresswoman Alan Tauscher, mm. she was at this event. Mm-hmm. And I really, I mean, her words resonate w- with me today. And, and I just remember her as being this great woman because one thing that she said that really stuck with me was she said, you know, every woman, every five years should make a change. Hmm. Whether change your, you know, wardrobe, change your closet, <laughs> change your career, change whatever, you mm-hmm. know, every five years, really try to make even if it's a small change mm-hmm. in your life, mm-hmm. because and it, it goes, you know, and, and then I, I this is my phrase, but, you know, it's revolution for evolution, right? Mm-hmm. Like you have to shake things up to mm-hmm. make things, you mm-hmm. know, grow and move mm-hmm. and, and, and change. So that was really um, something that that stuck with me. And then I started thinking, well, you know, I should diversify my resume. And there was an opportunity at Banana Republic as a project manager. And so I was there for a little bit. And then I got a call from Senator Feinstein's office um, uh, saying that her personal assistant scheduler on the West Coast is is leaving. So would I like to come back? And Mm. I was like, yes, I would. I would love to come back. And so I took a pay cut and I came back and I was with her for, I'd say another, you know, six or seven years actually. And I loved every minute of it and love her to this day. I still very much admire her and have the utmost respect. Mm -hmm. She um, is a hard worker, Mm -hmm. doesn't expect, um, you to do anything that she herself wouldn't do. Mm -hmm. And I could say that about, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, Senator Kamala Mm -hmm. Harris Mm -hmm. as well. I mean, they are very, very hardworking women. And I'm so grateful that coming right out of the box, sure, I had Senator Cranston there, but coming out of the box that I had to, I had the opportunity to work with some really dynamic women. And when you ultimately made the decision to move on from Senator Feinstein, after work, working for her for so long, mm-hmm. what what was it that that prompted that? What was it internally that you were wanting to seek out? 
So it goes back to that whole, um, you know, I, I, although I loved my job, um, I'm, get, I'm doing this in my sleep. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's getting to be really routine. easy and, and, uh, or it is really easy and routine and thinking about, again, diversifying my mm-hmm. resume and making myself a mm-hmm. little bit more marketable, mm-hmm. you know, just mm-hmm. trying to make changes. And, and I have to say that, you know, I'm very, I was very fortunate in, in most of my career that I'd have a thought about these things, have a thought about changes or doing something and something would always happen Mm -hmm. or come along Mm -hmm. at that moment. Mm -hmm. And I, and I really believe, and I I live my life this way um, every day is that I really believe that, you know, subconscious conscious thoughts or whatever manifests Mm -hmm. whatever it is that you want Mm -hmm. you know when you think about the different changes that you've that you've made in your career and we talked a little bit about that from Mm -hmm. from Feinstein to to Kamala Harris and from Kamala to some working in the private sector for Mm -hmm. some um, high profile individuals and then to venture capital how have those changes evolved you and what do you think have been some of the takeaways um that that you as a person um, have, well, I guess taken from those, right? Like, you know, how have how have you evolved as a person because of those cho- choices and changes? Mm-hmm. How has it shaped you professionally and personally to have put yourself in those situations and made those changes when you did? I was raised by a single mother, and she worked three different jobs, and we were we were not wealthy by any means. Actually, we were quite poor, and. Um, we came to this country. My mother was 25 years old with this little child, didn't speak a word of English, and we lived in Albuquerque, and then we moved to California uh, in her hopes of me, you know, having a better life. And my mother took a lot of risk, mm-hmm. and I was a part of that. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I just, you know, I don't know why I, like, I, I will be super happy in mm-hmm. certain things, and, and humming along and tiptoeing through the tulips, you know. And then it's just like, ah, like I have these aha moments. Maybe it's time to shake it up a little bit. Mm-hmm. You know, working, <clears throat> moving through my career with Diane and then Kamala and some of these, you know, I, some of it was staying on course, like staying in politics. Mm-hmm. And then it just would go 180 degrees to like personal assistant. Mm -hmm, And mm -hmm. then I'd say, oh, okay. Um, Someone would call me up and say, hey, are you interested in this? And I'd have that aha moment, Mm -hmm. like, you know, no risk, no Mm -hmm, gain. mm -hmm. And I just jump in. Mm -hmm. When you think about like, for instance, um, going from the political sector into like venture capital, right? Like, Mm -hmm. how do you think making that migration evolved you as a as a professional um well I was petrified when I Mm -hmm. moved over Mm -hmm. I mean and anyone would be right Mm -hmm. um but I think for me I always try to go back to this and I uh when I have opportunities to talk to younger people um who are going into the career I always say you know there's always going to be the brick and mortar part of like these particular jobs, right? Like 
scheduling, travel, you know, all of those things. If you're good at that stuff, you're going to be good no matter what you do. You just have to learn the different industry, mm-hmm. right? Like, you know, private equity, they invest and read what yep. they give you to read. Yep. Um, what I used, what I did was when I first started in, uh, in the private equity company, I, there were so many people. So I went on their website and I printed out all their pictures yep. and I pasted them or, you know, push pin them mm-hmm. all along my desk. Mm-hmm. So I would get to know who they are and what they do and what, what they invested in. Mm-hmm. And one time this woman came by and she's like, this place looks like a, like a mug shot. Like, <laughs> it's like a crime scene. FBI's most Every, wanted. Yeah, exactly. And, but that's how I learned, you mm-hmm. know, I was, I had them all over my desk and I mean, everybody learns different ways, but, um, you know, and I read and I studied and, uh, I had really wonderful bosses. I was part of the consumer team and, um, the two leads, I love them so much. You, you always hear me say I love my ex-bosses because I just I've learned so much from them. But, you know, he had me sit down with a few members of the team and explain what they do. Mm-hmm. So, you know, a, a big part of it, I've been very fortunate mm-hmm. to have some amazing people in my life who, um, you know, who care enough. There's a small segment of the brick and mortar. And then there's the big part of it is, you know, the chemistry. Mm-hmm. And that goes back to the love and the the loyalty and the care, mm-hmm. right? Because you pretty much know, you know, it's like when you buy your first house, you walk into a million homes and there's that one and you feel it. Mm-hmm. Or you buy your car, mm-hmm. you know, anything, mm-hmm. right? There's You just know. And I've been very lucky to hone in on those things. And I think we all have it in us to be able to do that but you just have to listen to that voice and never ever 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 do it for the money right if you're miserable and on sunday you have that horrible feeling in the pit of your stomach anxiety it is not worth it yep it's just not so i i think that sometimes there's a, a fine line between when it makes sense to stick something out right for the purposes of demonstrating your tenacity or because maybe you have more to learn or um, you haven't fully, you know, tried to like work through a situation. Uh And then also making that call ultimately of, no, actually it is time to move on, right? Right. So how do you um, navigate those two competing things? Like I think there's sort of an inherent tension between sticking things out and moving on. Um, and how do you assess when it's when it's right to stay and when it's right to go? Should I stay or should I go? <laughs> <laughs> I think that in in your core, you know, like you when you need to make that that change, and then things, like I said, things just happen. Mm-hmm. I always picture it like I'm very visual, you know, so I think about these things in a visual way that's why I can't watch like horror movies and stuff like that they just stick with me but um anyways I digress um (laughs) but I feel like if you're if you feel like you're living your life where every day you're you know you're putting your finger in a light socket Mm -hmm. you know it's time to go and you could stick it out and you got to make the sacrifices you got to you know and sure you do that every day by waking up, getting yourself dressed, 
getting in that car and getting yourself to work. But then you have to like really sit there and ask yourself, like, where do I see myself in five years? Where do I see myself in 10 years? You know, what is this? What does this mean for me as a person? And, you know, we always talk about this work-life balance thing, but like we, a lot of us talk about it and we desire it. And we talk about it in a sense of like, you know, the, the tangible part, like I would love to have Fridays off, mm-hmm. you know, or shorter weeks and, you know, more time. That's great. But the balance also is, you could ha- work, you know, five days a week and still have balance. The balance is, what is it that makes you like a whole person? Mm-hmm. Are, are you are you just about the work, or are you at the job site or at wherever you are, and you're loving what you do? But then there's also part of you that's like. The balance is I also like want to live a a good life, be a good person, strive to, you know, care about everything and other people around me. So even if it means I'm walking down the street and I see a homeless person and he looks hungry, I walk into a Lee's coffee shop or whatever, buy him a sandwich, walk out, give it to him. It's a San Francisco reference, (laughs) but I totally get it. Yes, 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 yes. You know, but Mm -hmm. for me, how that's always happened is it's like something always happens for me to make that move, right? Mm -hmm. Like, so it's either... Uh, someone moves on and another boss comes around or uh, you get a phone call from your friend that says, hey, there's this young DA who's dynamic and she's amazing and she's looking for someone. Uh, Do you want to come back to the city? And before you even know it, you're sitting at eight o'clock, you know, at the Hall of Justice with all these lawyers swearing up and down and you love it. And you're like, this is so gritty. I want to be a part of this. And then you make that move. And then I think that in in your core, you know, like you when you need to make that that change. And then things like I said, things just happen Mm -hmm. and it, it comes along. I do sometimes draw on that street kid. Uh, you know, my mom, like I said, my mom worked three jobs. So I was out on my Salvation Army blue bicycle all over Los Angeles <laughs> and uh, uh, didn't really back down from fights. Mm-hmm. Um, didn't start them, mm-hmm. but, you know, right. didn't really, wasn't really afraid. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, if anybody ever challenged me, mm-hmm. um physically or emotionally Mm -hmm. or, you know, yes, my mother always said, if I have to bail you out of jail, (laughs) you're going to stay there and I don't want to deal with it. And uh, too bad, so sad. So I always have that in the back of my mind, this little Asian woman just leaving me in prison. (laughs) But I also, (laughs) you know, had that in mind. But at the same time, I had to stand up for myself. Right. Like, you know, I, I mean, I can't be out there that being bullied either, right? you know? So I think that that is inherent in me. Like you've got to get mm-hmm. to that point where you're not afraid, mm-hmm. you know, to mm-hmm. make the changes. Mm-hmm. Never be afraid no. to make the those fear, changes. Because the fear cannot guide the decisions. That's right. Uh, period. That's right. And, and, you know, and however, whatever your upbringing whether you're a scrappy kid, you know, on a blue bicycle or if you've got, you know, 
if you grew up with wealth and have never really been exposed, whatever it is, there are moments in all of our lives where we've been scared. Mm-hmm. What did you do mm-hmm. to get out of it, mm-hmm. right? Or, or moments in our lives where we've had conflict. What did you do mm-hmm. to get out of it? Draw on that mm-hmm. because, you know, five years from now, two years from now, or tomorrow, it's just going to be something that happened. And if you're still alive, you could pull yourself out and pull yourself up Mm -hmm. and start over again. So I think those are the things that I think about when I make changes. Mm -hmm. And that's what I say to, you know, the younger EAs too, when they're, they come to me and ask me questions or like, oh my God, what if I don't get this? I'm like, dude, five years from now, you're going to not only get this, you're going to be teaching this and you're going to look back and it's not going to even matter. Mm-hmm. Have you ever regretted a change that you've made? Or maybe you, you know, you got into it with like a false set of assumptions or you were trying to maybe fix something on the uh, quickly but didn't really see the whole thing through. Um, yes. Great. <laughs> and what, yes. And what were the circumstances? Um, you know, I thought I was in, unhappy in, in a place, and there was elements to it that there were elements that made me unhappy, and it was like the perfect storm. And mm-hmm. then there was this, like, <gasps> big shiny object and I was like wow I'm gonna follow the big shiny object and got everything that I wanted and you know and was that part money money Uh and title Mm -hmm. and and being wooed was so flattering Mm -hmm. and you know all of these things and then I got there and it I just you know it may have been right there under my nose Mm -hmm. but when I got there I I woke up Mm -hmm. And I opened my eyes and I realized, oh, this is not what I want, you know. Um, So, yes, to answer your question, Mm -hmm. yes, Mm -hmm. that's happened to Mm me. Um, I think how I resolve that's happened to me twice. Mm. Uh, How I resolve that is I get out quickly. Mm. I don't waste anybody's time. Mm -hmm. And I certainly don't like to waste my time. Mm -hmm. What do you think are valid reasons for making a change? To those who are, are listening to this and, and kind of going, God, I don't know. And, and you know, is this, is this the right move? Am I being short-sighted? Whatever. So what do you think, in your experience, are valid reasons for making a change? And what do you think are maybe invalid reasons for making a change? I say invalid reasons, money. Don't do anything because you're driven by money. The valid reasons are, is, did I learn what I needed to learn here and are there opportunities to learn more somewhere else? Um, Is there growth uh, personally, spiritually, emotionally um, in this new place? As an EA, Mm -hmm. do you think that it's more important to change jobs um, with more frequency or regularity because as an EA, you know, so much of what you do and how you identify in your role and so much of kind of what you're exposed to is linked to the individual that you support? Um, Or do you think that that's not necessarily, you know, a a valid argument? Um, What are your your thoughts on that? Um, I mean, I think you should, 
invest some time in any particular job. Um, if there's nothing egregious going on, like, you know, I, I would say, you know, give it a year at least um, in anything you do. But, but again, I, you know, I think it's like that thing where I said, you know, you just know, right? You just mm-hmm. know and feel it. Mm-hmm. So whether it's a week or mm-hmm. a month mm-hmm. or two years, mm-hmm. you know, if you can't put a square peg in a round hole, mm-hmm. right? Like so, so I, there is really. I, I mean, that's a that's a I, for me. I I feel like that's something that you just know inside of you. Like mm-hmm. how long? What's the expiration date on anything? Mm-hmm. You know. Uh, now, if you are working with people who you really care about mm-hmm. and um, and love, and then there's this great opportunity over here that you know, they're offering you all these great things, you know, you have to ask yourself, like, I, I've asked myself this in my life, like, you know, yes, there are all these great things. And, you know, and it's wonderful. How is it going to affect your relationship with the people that you are with now? Mm -hmm. Uh, Do everything you can not to burn bridges. Mm -hmm. I always say, do everything you can to build bridges Mm -hmm. so that you can walk over them. Mm -hmm. But you know, if there's a, a great opportunity over here, the people that you've been with, whom you've been extremely loyal to, they get it. They'll understand. Mm-hmm. And if you have to move on, mm-hmm. you know, and I know it's always business. It's always, you know, I've been very fortunate where in my relationship, in my life, it's not just been business. But, you know, they will somehow, some way. If it doesn't work out over here, you will always be able to go back. Mm-hmm. Maybe not in the same capacity mm-hmm. that you are in now, mm-hmm. but, mm-hmm. you know, you will always be able to go back. So don't be afraid to take the risk if there's something great that's being offered. Um, but, you know, make sure that where you're coming from is stable, too. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So, like, you can't, you know, you can't go and, I mean, everything builds off of something else. So keep the relationship that you have now and make sure that you nurture that and, and, you know, and care for it like it's your own child. Mm -hmm. But, you know, have them understand, Okay, this is what I'm doing and then move on to this other position. And it's great because when you're in that second position, just knowing that you have that safety net, actually you will thrive in that second thing that you do. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know. So I, I can't like I can't really say, you know, give it two years. Some people say, oh, you have to at least give a job two years. Mm-hmm. I say, you know what, if it's not working, right. bounce, leave. Life is too short. There's one question that we like to ask our guests <laughs> as we wrap up our conversation, which is chocolate. If you could support anyone in the world. Mm. Who would it be and why? Wow, that's a really great qu- question. I think it's my current boss. Ah, and oh, then Christmas bonus plug. <laughs> <laughs> but if if he was or she weren't in the picture, yeah, I say um, either Michelle Obama, okay, uh-huh. or Warren Buffett. Ooh, on. Thank you so much for joining us in the studio today. 
and, and sharing your tales of your childhood, your life, your career, your lessons, your takeaways. Thank I really, you. really appreciate having your voice um, as part of this discussion. So thank, thank you. you so much. It's been an absolute pleasure and honor to have you with us. Well, thank you for having me. It's been an honor to be here. And I really have always admired you. So I am so happy and so proud to be here. So thank, thank you. you. Thank, thank you, you so much. Thank you. Reach is brought to you by Maven Recruiting Group, who specializes in placing executive assistants and support staff to the Bay Area's most prominent executives and companies. You can learn more about Maven at www.mavenrec.com. Yeah.